Hello, welcome to Not Safe for Publication, a podcast about, I want to say the lighter side of humanities research, but a podcast about lockdown and being a researcher, I guess, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say this is a podcast about not doing your research necessarily, but instead sort of surviving and thriving as much as one can when going outdoors is a crime. As heck, you know. Uh, a finable offence um, so we've just been recording these mini-sodes, I don't know, may, some of you a few of our friends may have listened to the last one, um, just talking about how it's like being a PhD student during lockdown and being a researcher, all that can entail, so we're not going to be interviewing people for this particular episode so we're just going to kind of we wanted to, f- to talk about a few things um, you know, it would be kind of the sixth or seventh week of lockdown by the time that this comes out. Probably the seventh week, I think. But as it stands, it's our fifth week. And what I really wanted to talk about today with Georgia was um, this: the as as two uh, um, self-confessed extroverts talking about the lack of contact with um, with our fellow kind of students and not just our friends, but the the PhD community in general. How have you found it, Georgia? Um, I don't think it's much of a secret that it's been the hardest thing for me. Like you said, we are both extroverts, which I think makes us a little bit unusual in the research community. Not, you know, complete rarities, but I'd say that it's it's not a 50-50 split in terms of introverts, extroverts. A lot of people who choose research as a career are a bit more uh, comfortable being on their own than I am Um, and conversely my favourite thing about doing a PhD is the community that we've built especially the history community at the University of Manchester which I think is just one of my favourite things in the world Uh, just a group of really really wonderful like-minded people doing all sorts of really interesting and different research and putting on events, you know, um, you do the uh, the seminar series and it, quite a lot of people who are involved in history at Manchester are also involved in this podcast and we have, before all of this started, we'd have a social pretty much once a week. We all eat lunch together. You know, we were, uh, over the course of about a year, I felt that we had built a really, really strong community which was such a great antidote to all those stories that you hear about how doing your PhD is very isolating and lonely and you know you better get used to sitting in a room on your own typing that wasn't what it was like um and so yeah going from that to spending at this point five almost six weeks at home with my husband has been I mean, I I love him. I'm certainly very grateful to not be isolated separately from him. But it is a very different experience and I've missed everything to do with the community. Yeah, it's, um, it's a weird one. I didn't think I would miss uh, kind of especially inane chat about research that sometimes just goes on in the hallway when you're walking past someone who's not not you know outside of our kind of research community just a simple like wave to someone when you catch their eye it's it's so weird what I've been thinking about is 
like when am I next going to be able to hug my friends when I see them you know aside from all the talking and chatting like that kind of just like physical closeness that you just can't get over a no offense uh like a skype chat or a zoom conversation uh, none, none yeah. taken it's absolutely true i mean even you know these these kind of things like zoom uh has been you know it's been useful but it is not the same it's not a replacement and andy made the uh the observation just the other day that actually quite often once you close the window you're just struck by this realization that you've just been sitting in a room on your own talking to your computer mm. oh god i can and imagine yeah it kind of um in a way while it takes the loneliness away during it kind of exacerbates it afterwards yeah and we've been trying to organize a lot of things you know we'll play games remotely with friends at least once a week usually more I still put on the uh, the regular pub quiz. Um, I think I'm pretty quizzed out, but yeah. <laughs> we need to, uh, people need to come up with more imaginative uh, ideas for things to do remotely. I think that I think there's a huge market for a remote karaoke app. That, I mean, that is a good shout. I've had friends who. Um, not PhD related, but like have been invited to Zoom parties, and there's like a theme to each one. If they sound very bizarre. Um, yeah. imaginative ways like so on Instagram the other day we did a uh, like a live seminar on Tuesday where I presented some of my work to not just PhD students but a lot of my friends also watched it which I really really loved because I think what a lot of I'm missing about are the research seminars and just talking to people about your research in a kind of a really friendly way not that I come a nerd and I can only talk to people about my research which is only partly true but it's just sometimes it's just a nice way to feel like you're still part of something I guess yeah and it was really cool actually so I attended your Instagram live seminar um and I thought it was brilliant um it was so good to see someone just like give a talk without visual aids like I lean so heavily on my slides and on being able to yeah I'm a historian of photography so I can be like look at this picture (laughs) don't look at me like let me just um talk about this but uh, you know the confidence with which you were just able to just talk and say what it is you needed to say uh, was yeah super cool and inspiring. But the other thing that was really cool was that you know I was in the uh, in the chat the whole time and there was like eighteen twenty two kind of people. That's I know that's more than I think I've ever had anyone listen to my talk at any one time. <laughs> Um, I love that it was like also because I knew that like most of the people watching it were friends who don't do um, history. I literally just did like a rundown of gender in the 70s, which is just so second nature to me that I didn't need to use any notes. Yeah, I just spoke for 20 minutes or just under and it was just it felt really nice to be my, you know, several people noted independently. They're like, oh, you're just able to talk without your notes. And I was like yeah this is it's never happened to me before and and it just kind of reinforced that like I still know what I'm doing yeah despite not really doing much in the past four or five weeks and I enjoy stuff like I I don't know if this is okay to say as like an academic historian or not but stuff that's pitched like pop history is so much more enjoyable (laughs) than listening to the intense theoretical stuff that people want to tell you um, yeah imagine if I had like got into like Judith Butler and Foucault and all those, that sort of thing like it would have just been so ridiculous and it, it doesn't need to be the whole point of the subjects I do is that it's meant to be about the every woman so 
I didn't want to start introducing kind of abstract theory in there and it felt so good because sometimes you always feel like it's really hard when you're presenting your work to even just PhD students that you have to have a, your originality clause yeah. in there and that just didn't, you just didn't have to do that and so that's kind of that kind of gave me a bit of spring in my step this week after a, on Monday I was just I was just feeling so lonely and I just said it I just said to my mum I was just like I am so lonely I was just and like you know it's so nice being with my parents we got on fantastically but just the it just really hit me on Monday how much I'm and it's the lack of not knowing when your next gonna see people I think which is really hitting some people especially me hard yeah yeah absolutely and um yeah it's totally been my yeah I've I've had that experience as well just with like the the weight of it all just getting just too much and just being so sad I mean Mm. it's made me appreciate certain things like uh just like the group chat and stuff like I've always been a big advocate for a group chat but group chats kept me alive (laughs) I think different what I've come out of this well no I haven't come out of it I'm still (laughs) in it but just like the grass isn't always greener in terms of the loneliness thing so you're currently residing with your husband I am missing someone who I've been going out with like I haven't seen for almost a month now you know some people yet are finding it really hard living with a partner others are dying for it I'm dying some people I've got friends living with flatmates who are best friends and it just looks like so much fun whereas I'm facing the prospect of my spending my birthday alone but they might be also my wanting to be with their parents or wanting to have a garden everyone's kind of got these different hang-ups that uh are just yeah gonna have to be part of lockdown no one's gonna have the most ideal living situation yeah and i think that's it it's absolutely it's it is also human nature as well to want what we whatever the thing is that we don't have yeah exactly. Um, but you know what makes normal life before the before times life what made it work was that you could do a different thing that i could be around andy as much as i wanted to and then i could go and see my friends and have you know a whole evening of just doing that or you know Mm. I could go and visit my parents for a weekend I'm actually starting to find I don't know if you've had this yet but I have started to hate the phrase when this is over because it's yeah it started to represent quite a big anxiety to me now of well yeah there's you know there's 20 things that I want to do need to do when this is over I can't actually do all of them I the first thing I'm going to want to do is go and see my parents what if that means I miss the first get together with my friends mm. it, it's all started to like and but also I think it's important to know that it just won't be over in the same way of World War Two being over yeah there was not we're not going to sign was, a declaration well I was I was you know I was envisaging envisaging that day where we could all run out into the streets going to the pubs whose doors would be wide open but it's going to be so slow and trickling yeah and it's just not going to be like that at all and i assume that i mean that it will probably be accompanied by a sort of another bump in coronavirus cases like as soon as we're allowed to see each other again people Mm. are gonna i know there's they're not going to be able to manage that but i think as long as the nhs can i mean we're neither of us are experts but it's all conjecture it's very 
Yeah. And also you just hear so many different and conflicting reports about what it is and what it means. And, mm. and then the worst thing about when this is over for me is that when is that? Like if someone said three weeks, I'd be like, great. But no one can say that. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. And I think just yeah i mean i don't know when this comes out whether we'll have an extra strategy but i was speaking to my friend in paris and i was like at least you have a day where there'll be like some change <laughs> like yeah it's the it's the not knowing which which i guess makes it especially hard um yeah it's um have you, did you watch unbreakable kimmy schmidt yes i did yeah so there's a thing that kimmy says in that which is you can do anything for 10 minutes and yeah. then when it's over maybe you have to do it again but like it's only 10 minutes yeah and i think there's that's that kind of power of knowing that there will eventually be an end i think mm. i can do anything if i know it'll end but when you don't know when that will be it makes it a lot harder and i think that's why it's we were speaking about routine like giving yourself an end to the day mm. and just taking every day as it comes or taking every moment as it comes there'll be some days where i wake up wanting to die and then by the end of the day, I'm like, this is great. Um, I haven't reached that stage yet. I'm just still at step one. <laughs> but like, I, I also am hoping there's going to be like two. And I wrestle with this on a daily basis in terms of social contact, in terms of, cool, well, this is really good because it's making me, you know, sometimes, not every day, but sometimes rely on myself for my own sense of well-being when it comes or to make me reevaluate the extent to which I put my own happiness on other people or like you know how I expect company to make me feel happy if that makes sense you know at the end of the day you can't put that responsibility on someone else so this kind of kind of masculine idea of being autonomous at the same time I'm hoping it's also making people who would ordinarily see relationships as a sign of weakness they might also be coming around to the idea that it's okay to want to have friends and be close to people and that doesn't mitigate your independence and that social relationships are actually really important to our well-being and for all the men out there who have said oh I can't go out with a girl because I want to be independent maybe that will change that sort of <laughs> toxic side of masculinity where they see that like that's okay to want to be with people and be close to people um, and I think we've seen a lot of conversation about this very nebulous idea of community and whether this has like been a good or a bad thing for community as we understand it. Um, and I think it's obviously, firstly, it's impossible to say. And secondly, if we ever know, it'll be a long time from now that we know. But I think it is going to prompt some like evaluations of what is actually important to human survival that isn't purely capitalist and isn't purely to do with work productivity the kind of neoliberal ideas mm. that we all rail against i mean on a daily basis you have to wrestle with your individual desire to for me break quarantine and go back up to manchester to see someone or you know being very open here or you know do the better thing the quote right thing and staying put every day you have to wrestle with that individual need versus good and I always thought I was an individualist until this came about and I wanted to spend fuck society I want to be happy uh I'm I'm having a very uh similar experience for me it's to do with going to see my parents 
uh, and I have to constantly say to myself, they live in a rural community that's basically been untouched by this, and several people who mm. I would see are immunocompromised or in a high-risk group. And, they, you know, my parents have said to me, this week, come home, come home. And I've said to them, like, I can't, you know, dad's got asthma and had quadruple bypass. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I made him sick. And they've said, you know, my parents just going like, oh, well, he won't get sick. Just come home. And I just think like, you know, I'm I'm a big skeptic about a lot of this stuff, but I would not be able to live with myself if I was the one to come from a crowded city into a town of 6,000 people and give my dad coronavirus. (laughs) I did have that anxiety for a few days. And I remember I went to the corner shop when even when I was back home, I went to the corner shop to get like a beer or something. Then I came back and then I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I didn't wash my hands. I didn't wash my hands. I didn't wash my hands. I've done it. This is it. This is going to be like the death of my family. Um, The, you know, the side is that you just don't know. You don't know whether you've done anything. Um, And I'm happy that I'm with my parents and I'd much rather be at the moment with my parents than anywhere else. But, you know, I would love also to be with my friends. (laughs) On a Friday night, I really want to be with my friends. So that's the uh, takeaway from this (laughs) this mini-sode. Thank you, Georgia, for listening. Thank you, you, Jess. Um, And especially thank you for being honest and for sharing that it's difficult even when it seems from the outside that you're doing so amazing (laughs) no you take every day as it comes um but thanks everyone for listening stay tuned for another episode of not safe for publication not safe for publication is a podcast by and for the research students of the faculty of humanities at the university of manchester if you want to get in touch with us you can reach us on twitter at NSFP podcast or you can email us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com our intro and outro music is hat the jazz by twin musicom